Indigenous Rights Radio, because knowledge is power. One of the major items at COP15 is the expected adoption of the post-2020 Global Biodiversity Framework as an important step towards the 2050 vision of living in harmony with nature. From December 3rd to December 5th, meetings were held as part of the fifth meeting of the Open-Ended Working Group on the Post-2020 Global Biodiversity Framework. The Open-Ended Working Group on the Post-2020 Biodiversity Framework is tasked with advancing preparations for the development of the Post-2020 Global Biodiversity Framework. In this podcast, we hear from Maurizio Farran Ferrari, Senior Policy Advisor of Forest People's Programme, on the story of the Global Biodiversity Framework. Hello, I'm uh, Maurizio Farhan Ferrari. I'm originally Italian, but um, I lived for about uh, 12 years in Southeast Asia. And um, about uh, that was about 25 years ago. And that's where I started to get uh, involved in um, environmental activism. But uh, the destruction of the environment was very much related also to the denial and violation of human rights of indigenous peoples, as well as um, local communities like small-scale farmers and small-scale fisher folks. Um, so at that time, I was kind of volunteering with Friends of the Earth um, in, in, in Malaysia. Uh, from there, I got involved in the water and forest movement. And a um, few years after, I started to attend um, CBD meetings. Uh, so Convention of Biological Diversity meetings. At the beginning, it was focused on very specific um, topics, um, for example, on protected areas, ensuring that the rights of indigenous peoples and, protected, and, and uh, local communities are uh, recognized and respected in, uh, in conservation. Then we started a project uh, specifically on article, so-called Article 10C, which talks about customer sustainable use, on how, how to respect and encourage customer sustainable use that is compatible with uh, conservation and sustainable use of, of biodiversity. So a number of um, our partners in Forest People's Programme, so I'm actually um, a senior policy advisor on environmental governance currently in Forest People's Programme, um, we had a project with about seven indigenous organizations in seven different countries to, to document uh, through community mapping and through um, community sur- you know, surveys and questionnaires on the sustainable practices that uh, contribute to, to conservation and sustainable use of, of biodiversity, but also contributes very significantly to you know, food security, food sovereignty, sustainable livelihoods. So that project led to a number of case studies being published and um, a a report which fed into the process in the convention with the eventually led after several years of negotiation with the adoption of the global plan of action on customer sustainable use. So there is a plan that part, you know, governments and um, other stakeholders should um, um, implement at the national and local level to support indigenous peoples and local communities to um, to carry on with their traditional activities, but also with innovations that can contribute to to, to livelihoods and um, to to to, um, to dig to dignity 
and, 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 and justice at the, at the local and national level. Now, uh, in 2010, when there was a negotiation of the strategic plan for biodiversity 2011-2020, so a 10-year plan, a few of us uh, started to get involved in this bigger picture of the Convention on Biological Diversity, to look, looking at strate, strate, the strategic plan and with all the various goals and targets. So no longer of very, on very specific um, issues, but you know, on the, on the big picture. And we also started to look at indicators on how to measure progress in achieving of those global goals and targets. What has been interesting to see with the current development of the so-called post-2020 global biodiversity framework, which looks at a plan for the next 10 years with, an, with, with 22 targets to achieve in the next uh, 10 years, but also for the long-term uh, achievement of the vision 2050 of living in harmony with nature. So it's a 30-year 30, 30 plan as well. So it's, it's really uh, an important, an important uh, plan. Um, which all governments of the world are supposed to implement. But what has been interesting to see is that so many more indigenous peoples and local communities have been involved in the negotiations of this strategic plan compared to the one 10 years ago when there were very, very few. So the voices of indigenous peoples and local communities 10 years ago were really very, you know, very small and very marginal. Now, there has been much better recognition of the roles and rights and contributions of indigenous peoples and local communities. So there is a, also a much more opening for indigenous peoples and local communities to be able to influence the outcomes of these negotiations. So there is more reference to, um, to, to, the, to the roles and the contributions that indigenous peoples and local communities contribute to achieving all of these various goals and targets related to conservation, sustainable use, and um, benefit sharing of the, um, of the benefits that come from the use of biological diversity and genetic resources. So there is more recognition. At the same time, there is still, there is still um, a tendency by some of the governments to, um, to not fully recognize the rights, for example, you know, to land and resources and, um, and to justice also, because there is so much still violation of human rights of indigenous people and local communities, for example, when they stand up to destructive industries, as we know from many, many parts of the world. However, some of the targets, for example, target 21 in this current framework, explicitly talk about the full and effective participation of indigenous peoples, women and youth, and to the recognition of the rights to land, territories and resources of indigenous peoples and local communities, as well as the protection of environmental and human rights defenders. So that, you know, is, is, an, important, is an important progress. And if that gets really implemented at the, at the local and national level, we hope that that will contribute both to biodiversity conservation and sustainable use, but maybe even more importantly, so, you know, so social justice and respect for, for rights. Uh, why is this framework important? We, um, we feel that um, if there is the highest standard of recognition of rights at the international level, it will provide some tools and opportunities for using this international standards at the local and, and, uh, and national level.
One important thing of this global biodiversity framework compared to the previous one 10 years ago is that it calls for a so-called whole of government and whole of society approach. So while in the past it was mostly the responsibility of you know, the Ministry of Environment or a few other ministries um, you know, in each country to, to be responsible for implementation, there is a realization that you cannot really achieve all these goals and targets without the full and effective engagement and participation, especially of indigenous peoples and local communities, because most, most of the biodiversity still present on this planet is on their lands and territories. So the, it is absolutely vital that indigenous peoples and local communities are recognized and play a role in there. But also general society, you know, wider society. Of course, women and youth are particularly also uh, highlighted. Uh, but all, you know, um, without a general uh, mobilization of society to, to really address the direct and, uh, and underlying causes of biodiversity loss, there is a recognition that, um, you know, we will be here another in 10 years time to again, to again uh, realize that we haven't achieved those targets. So the, the, the mass mobilization of people to really achieve these targets that are being negotiated here will be vital. And um, I think governments are realizing now that um, they really need to open up and to have mechanisms at the national and local level to have full and effective participation. It will still remain a challenge to implement it in the future, but we are also developing projects with a number of agencies and, um, and several indigenous peoples and local community organizations to really start from next year to press and to push for participation in national policy, decision-making, and implementation of these goals and targets. So hopefully, we hope that it will bring good benefits to indigenous peoples and local communities. In practice, we will all need to, to see. For more on the rights of indigenous peoples, visit cs.org and follow Cultural Survival on Facebook and Twitter.